You're listening to the Pro Boy podcast. Hello and welcome back to the second Pro Boy podcast of 2020. Uh, Steve Buckley here. I'm joined as ever by uh, Katie Wilde and Bob Ballard. Uh, we're into Olympic year. Uh, well into Olympic year now and there's been plenty of British swimming going on that we'll have a chat about in a minute but Katie uh, we've, we've already spoken once with uh, with James Gibson on the podcast this year but we didn't talk uh, beyond that chat. Uh, 2020 it's actually Olympic year does that uh, as a swimmer does that affect people does that you know get people excited when you get up and you see the, the calendar is turned over and it's actually the, the year of the Olympics? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's certainly a special year and I think most people tend to train in kind of four year blocks. So it is the the fourth of those years and it's sort of the culmination of all the work you've put together. Um, But, you know, in in some senses, it's just it's just another year. But uh, I think most people feel that it's a bit of an exciting one. And Bob, you're looking forward to some uh, some fast swimming through this year, I'm sure. Yeah, very encouraged by what we've seen early in the year as well. I think uh, 2020 is looking very good. There are areas that perhaps we didn't think were particularly fertile before, which is starting to look a, a little bit more uh, proficient from our point of view. And I think uh, by the time we reach July, hopefully those who are improving in leaps and bounds, and there are plenty of them, which is good to see, uh, will have uh, reached their zenith by that time. Well, let's take a look at some of the swimming that has gone on so far this year from a British point of view right at the start of the year there was a meet over in Flanders in Belgium uh, which had a, a British contingent that head over there uh, someone who stood out amongst those British swimmers Katie was uh, Freya Anderson who had a, a an absolutely fantastic opening to her year with um, uh, some very fast swimming uh, 53.8 in the 100 free and, and notably a 156.0 uh, in the uh, in the 200 free which was a big pb for her so a, a great way to start the year yeah i think she's coming off such a successful short course season um hopefully she's coming into 2020 with a lot of confidence but i think a lot of people have hoped for a while including me that um we would see what she can do in the 200 because i'm just not sure we'd seen the best of her in that and we've certainly seen some promising signs from her short course races but i mean that's an absolutely fantastic swim um a huge drop for her i think so uh, looking like she might be adding another uh, event to her lineup, hopefully for uh, Tokyo. Well, we spoke to her coach Alan Bircher on the on the podcast before Christmas after the, the European short course, and uh, he was you know, pointing out that she's a a great racer, Bob. So uh, mm. you know, she seems to handle herself well on the on the pool deck in in the heat of competition. So it's a really great to see her fast and 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 firing at the start of this year. And she's becoming metronomic. What she's doing, she's doing on a regular basis. She doesn't ever seemingly drop from that very high standard she set herself and also that's been set by uh, Mr. Bircher along the way. Uh, she, she just looks great. And, uh, and everything she sets her mind to, every task that she is involved in, uh, you just sit back and go, wow, she, she's doing it all the time. Uh, I think the world will be taking notice. Any people in this country would be absolutely amazed uh, at the, the progression she's making and the consistency that she shows 
goes all the way through. So um, she's the one, the ones definitely we'll be looking for in Tokyo in a big way to, to you know, there's, there'll be a big expectation on her shoulders as her first Olympic Games. And that's because uh, some people say you're often best at your second Olympic Games. But I think that she's got so much confidence she's built up from 2019, uh, both short course now, long course, the early part of 2020, that uh, I think we have every right to expect her to deliver. Well, big things in prospect for her this year, we hope. Uh, another swimmer in Flanders who started himself off well for this year was James Guy. Uh, he posted a 49.5 in the 100 free and a, probably more impressively a 147.5 in the 200 free. Now, when you spoke to him after ISL London, Bob, he was talking about how he was getting his getting his engine back. I think he, he used the term. And it, yeah. it's great to see him kind of convert that, that speed he showed in the short course pool into a, into a long course pool. I think what James has got to establish this year, that he's not just a great relay swimmer. Uh, when, when he first came to the four in Barcelona, uh, he was swimming fantastically quickly individually. And now we know he's absolutely rock solid as a relay swimmer and probably hasn't done himself justice in individual events. So 2020 is a time to, to change all that, to change it for the better individually and keep that consistency in the relay. And I think he knows, uh, again, he, he's one of our big hitters. He's one of our high-profile swimmers in this country that, that he has got to now deliver individually to add to all the to being you know the the the, the bedrock the fulcrum if you like of our, of our relay team so he also posted uh, a good 100 butterfly time 52.2 which is uh, not a bad way to, to start the year casey uh, do, do, any feel for uh, his his balance between fly and free this year do you think he'll he'll keep going on the fly for the medley relay at least but might that be his individual focus as well i'm not sure it's difficult because he won't want to let the freestyle focus drop either because the men's four by two is in such good shape um he's he's got two you know really good medal prospects um so i'll be honest i've got no idea i would have thought he's training for both and and hasn't really changed too much in in terms of focus obviously he's had that coaching change which seems to be going really well for him um it's just good to see him looking happy in the pool and swimming so fast um and you know obviously this will be an important year for him i want to see him do a really wow 200 fly though um i don't think we've seen one yet have we one we've gone ah that's what he's really capable of don't think we've seen a 200 fly that really takes your breath away yet certainly not for a couple of years anyway so but uh whether whether that will become a focus of his or or whether he'll even swim it at, at uh British Championships to try and qualify it for, for Tokyo remains to be seen but um, certainly he started the year very well which is what we wanted to see uh, a week after that meet in, in Flanders there were some people in action uh, at the Euro meet in Luxembourg uh, just wanted to highlight uh, one of our up and coming swimmers uh, Matt Richards 4995 uh to open his his sub 50 account for the year bob uh he's possibly he's the coming man in the 100 free we have so many uh four by one possibilities here so many potential options for the four by one and the people that uh probably up until 12 months ago for the most part we'd never heard of so it's like you know there's a new school of 100 meters freestyle male swimmers out there who are just doing amazing things and they tend to be 15 16 17 18 years of age as well which which is fantastic not only for here but for paris in four years time so our four by one 
which has been you know, very either inconsistent or certainly had no depth for many years, is looking as strong, I think, as it ever has done. Well, it certainly m- makes for an interesting uh, interesting battle in that event at uh, British Championships. Uh, you know, a few other names in there. Uh, there's Lewis Burris swimming very fast over in the US. Um, and obviously... Uh, James Guy and, and Duncan Scott in there, um, so possibly we could put together quite a strong quartet when you consider that, that Ben Proud and Scott McClay swam in that event last year as well. So uh, plenty of competition to get on that squad, which is always great to see. I, I, don't, I don't think Ben will get a swim, do you? The way he's looking. Well, I mean, I, it's hard to say. I mean, he swam forty-seven something at Worlds last year. It certainly won't be his focus, I don't think. Um, Kate, I don't know if you have a, a different view on that, but from from speaking to James. It just seemed to be something that um, that that would come out of the training he's doing anyway. Yeah, I think um, I think we've spoken about this before. I think if you're a real pure fifty swimmer, it's quite a lot to ask for someone to step up to a hundred. Um, and and I think you know his focus really will be on that fifty three. But I mean, he's stepped up before and given us some great relay performances, so I wouldn't be that surprised to see him do it again. But I guess it just depends whether or not we you know we, we even take the team. Well, they have a, a time to make at, at trials. Oh, I can't call it trials at uh, British Championships. Um, well, I mean, I'll also throw into the mix somebody who's been consistent and also does a, a range of events. Joe Litchfield could be in there too. Yeah, he suddenly seems to be a sprinter in all strokes. So another another wild card perhaps in that event, but um, we'll see if four of the guys at trials can put that together and get that team qualified. They obviously have the spot. Uh, in the Olympics if British Swimming want to take it. So uh, that'll be an interesting event to keep an eye on. Uh, I mentioned Lewis Burris there. He's been swimming uh, out in uh, in the US in the collegiate system. Uh, and there was the uh, the SEC championships going on last week. Uh, some very fast swimming there from Anna Hopkin, Katie. Uh, I mean, I don't profess to understand yard swimming at all, but people who know it rather better than I do were... Uh, saying very uh, complimentary things about her relay splits in particular, but she but she does seem to be going well over there. Yeah, she's. Um, I mean, her. It, just to put it into perspective, you get a huge number of the very top US swimmers going through the the college system over there, and you know the, those tend to be the competitions where American records are broken. Um, Anna did the fastest 50 freestyle relay split that there's ever been um and she also did the third fastest 100 freestyle time that there's ever been um which is just you know incredible when you see people like simone manuel have been been through that system and and hold the fastest time ever she's not far behind and that's an olympic champion we're talking about so i think we should be really excited about her and just how far she can go because she's improving all the time i always have echoes in my mind when we talk about our british was going to America of what it meant for people like Steve Parry for example he said that he wouldn't have been the swimmer he became if he hadn't been to America and maybe that's the same for Anna uh, similar kind of thing that she's got her, her real belief and her, her real stroke and her real uh, speed uh, by going to the American system I know that we've always tried now to, to nurture them here and we'd rather keep our swimmers in the UK wherever possible but perhaps she's, she has benefited from transferring from Ealing to, to America yeah, I think so. I mean, she's made huge improvements and I think she was at the University of Bath before that. Um, but it seems that she's really come into her own ever since she's gone out there. And I don't think she's, you know, I don't think she's reached her peak. I think 
you know, at the moment, we don't know how far she can go. Well, it's another swimmer to keep a close eye on uh, as we run into British Championships uh, and hopefully from some fast swimming from her there. Um, most recently, we've seen a large contingent of British swimmers competing over in Bangor in Ireland in the uh, McCullough International. I don't know if I said that right, so apologies to any Celtic listeners if I've completely murdered uh, the pronunciation there. Um, but yes, a big contingent over in Bangor in Northern Ireland to compete in that meet over there. Uh, we will talk about the events that, that unfolded in that meet in a minute. But earlier on, Katie and I spoke to someone who was swimming over there. That was Hannah Miley, uh, who was um, swimming her second on-course competition of the year, as she pointed out to me. Uh, so let's have a listen and see what she had to say. So fresh from a journey across the Irish Sea at the weekend, we're very happy to be joined by Hannah Miley. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So we are talking to you on Shrove Tuesday. So most importantly, let's get this out of the way. Have you had your pancakes? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, I've had pancakes. Our puppies had pancakes. So I made sure that we got our pancakes out of the way at lunchtime. <laughs> Very, very organised. And are you uh, are you a traditional lemon and sugar person, or do you go a bit more all out? Um, I think I did quite a variety. Um, yeah, I I do love uh, having the sort of lemon and sugar on it. Uh, but I try to do something a little bit different just because I enjoy the colours of it. So I try to do a beetroot one and a spinach one, which I think caused a bit of an outrage in some people because obviously it's not the traditional pancake. But yeah, the- I nearly binned you from the yep. whole podcast, Hannah, on the basis of your green <laughs> pancakes. But there was a method to it because um, our puppy doesn't like spinach and stuff, so it was probably the safest one to eat around her because she won't touch it, which is great. But um, no, we've saved the proper batter, uh, so later on as like a, an evening snack, um, certainly yeah, the good old pancakes out with lemon and sugar on top fantastic that's that's my uh, my view of pancakes is lemon and sugar but there we are right i mentioned there that you were fresh back across the irish sea you had your first i guess proper long course um hit out of the year over in uh, in bangor over the weekend how did that go for you it wasn't too bad i wouldn't say i was completely fresh um so actually racing in bangor was my second long course meet i raced over in luxembourg in january but it was the first time getting back to seeing the British guys from like Sterling and Loughborough and, um, and, and it was really interesting because they changed the setup. So it was heats in the evening, finals in the morning to replicate um, the Tokyo uh, setup. So it was interesting just kind of going in with that mindset of trying to practice swimming fast and heats and then trying to step up again for the finals. Preparations leading into it, it was tricky. I've had a bit of a chest infection for the last two weeks, so being able to breathe was slightly compromised. Um, but all things considered, the small little process goals that I've set for myself, uh, whilst my times were not quick, uh, obviously a lot of the other guys were a heck of a lot quicker. Uh, for me, I felt it was pretty positive uh, for where I was at and what I was looking for. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. And you said you'd been you'd been ill for a couple of weeks, but that yeah. aside, how has your has your preparation for trials generally been going? Yeah, it's been good actually. I've really enjoyed it. Um, just trying to just try different things really. Um, as I'm getting a bit older again, um, my body's responding very very differently. And since I've had surgery on my ankle in 2018, just the whole process and the shift in my trainings had to be very, very different. Um, and even in my mindset as well. Uh, so I'm, I'm still learning an awful lot more and what my body's capable of and what I can push myself to. So yeah, I, I've really enjoyed how training has been going. I, I definitely feel in the gym, it's certainly been the strongest I've been and 
uh, hitting out in the pool has been good. It, it's just that fine tuning of getting everything to kind of line up and match up when it counts. Um, so, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what to do with my body because it's all very different at the moment. <laughs> Hannah, do you feel that um, having to make the adjustments that you've had to make, make since your ankle surgery, do you feel that that's taken any pressure off at all because it's just sort of out of your control and you can just do what you can? Or, or how has that affected you over the last couple of years? It's actually been probably one of the best things I've ever had happen to me. Um, weirdly, it, yeah, it, it certainly has taken the pressure off because it's allowed me to take to stop and take a look back at things and to stop worrying so much about the times. I mean, obviously, times are very, very important. And when it comes to trials, you need to hit times in order to go on the team. But um, as swimmers, we kind of surround ourselves in so many numbers. And as you get older, it's about progression. It's about PBs. It's about getting faster every single time. And you hit those plateaus and I've hit several plateaus in my career, but nothing compared to this one. So I really had to try and change up my mindset and just look at my swimming differently. Um, and I've actually really quite enjoyed it. And it's allowed me to not have the pressure of the expectation of you need to be hitting this time at this part of the season. You need to be doing this time at that meet. Um, for me, I've just been trying to look at the technical side of things and make sure that I'm executing all my processes the way it needs to be done. Um, so, yeah, so I've, I've actually had more fun in the last like two and a bit years, I think, and compared to my, my whole career. And it's uh, it's a different kind of fun. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been very fascinating. <laughs> And, you know, you say that's changed maybe your your approach to swimming. I mean, you've had mo more fun, I think you said there, in the last couple of years than, than before. Is that, you know, what's kept you going? I mean, you you said about obviously getting older um, and having swum for a very long time. Was, was that change important in actually keeping you in the sport? Or had you considered maybe uh, calling it a day before that happened? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think once the season for 2018 had finished I I definitely wasn't in a good place um I was really frustrated with my ankles I felt like no, no matter how hard I worked I just wasn't able to get the results that I knew I could achieve based on the work that I was putting in and I just felt like I was going round and round in circles and just not seeing the progress that I thought I should get um so having the surgery forced me some time away and then coming back in rehab wise I mean, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to come back in and compete. I kind of felt I'd get back in the water just to help with my rehab. And being able to get in the pool and not have a stopwatch, um, not have a scripted session and just go for the feel of it, the flow, it was actually really quite refreshing and it was almost like a mental reset for me. And um, I, again, my career, I've kind of always thought outside the box and done different things and done quirky things. Um, but it's kind of allowed me to actually sit back and think, what are the bits that I've enjoyed and what can I do to make myself better in an enjoyable kind of way? Um, so, yeah, so it's been fun uh, in a sense that I've kind of had to think outside the box a lot more and a bit more practically as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I'm kind of rambling a little bit. It's really difficult to try and kind of put it all into words. But certainly getting back in after the surgery for rehab purposes it just reignited my love for, for getting back in uh, and being committed to it. And I guess my first couple of competitions, I was worried about my times. Like my very first 400 IM, I think was in January 2019. And I did not know what time I wanted, to, I was going to go. And so I kind of thought, right, I'm not going to look at the scoreboard. I'm going to delay looking at the board. I want to make sure I can do, 
you know, something simple as three fly kicks off the turn because I couldn't push off and I couldn't put too much pressure on my ankle. So I thought, right, if I can just try and do three fly kicks off all the turns, obviously not on breaststroke, um, and just see what time that gives me. And I touched the wall and I made sure that I gave myself maybe two or three seconds to think, did I achieve that? Yes or no. And then I looked at the board and it gave me a completely different outlook on reading the time. Whereas initially, if you touch the wall, the first thing you want to do is look and see what time did that give me? And you're either really happy or really sad. So for me, it gave me a bit more rounded view on, okay, obviously it's not a quick time. I think it was like four minutes, 59. And But I felt really pleased. I felt like I achieved something and I came away positive with that swim because I thought, right, I've got those goals. And it's just been kind of building up from there. And just that mindset. I mean, it's something so simple that I thought, why didn't I think of this before? Um, and it's just allowed me to have a bit of fun with my race, not having the pressure of the expectation of you've got to win this, you've got to hit this time. I just thought I just need to be doing able to do more than three fly kicks off each turn. <laughs> <laughs> and are you are you still setting yourself little targets like that as you've you know your fitness has come back and your ankles got stronger? Or yes. Yeah, definitely. I am trying to set myself more of those goals purely just to make sure that I stay in that mindset, stay in that sort of happy, positive mindset. And obviously, you know, I'm aware that my times do need to improve and do need to get quicker, but it's kind of given me um, a, a good growth mindset to kind of be more accepting with what comes in and not be so um, detrimental to myself. Because I guess when you don't get things the way that you want them to go, um, athletes can be their own worst enemies at time and kind of putting yourselves down. And I don't want to get, I don't want to get back into that position again. I think it's really interesting what you said there, because I think, you know, you've, you've been at the top of world swimming for a long time and when you've had swimmers who are that good kind of on your radar for such a long time you can almost lose sight of of your achievements and and for you to get in the pool after a long period of time out injured and not be able to properly push off the wall and still go under five minutes on 400 am i mean that's that's unbelievable and it it just kind of shows how difficult it is to appreciate yourself and to know how good you are when you're in it um we think you're great Hannah and it's amazing that you've been like this great for so many years it's it's incredible what you've achieved thank you so you've you came through that period of rehab and you, you got yourself back back swimming but uh you know that will obviously you know put you out of, of contention really for, for for the British team last year quite understandably yeah. um by my reckoning and and I may have missed one I guess but by my reckoning last year would have been your first year without a senior international long course competition since probably 2005 <laughs> would that be right <laughs> yeah it's part of the GB team I actually did I, I, w I went as part of the Scottish team and raced at the US Nationals but it's yeah it's, uh yeah it's the first um time that i've not raced uh, as part of gb actually so that's, kind of, that's weird <laughs> uh, so how did that feel sort of watching the team from from home or you know, following the results and not being part of it well i was actually racing at the british summer british summer championships so it was quite fun uh kind of doing my races and then making sure we were back in time to watch the the catch-up uh, uh tv and um you know I, I actually felt quite nice uh, being able to cheer and support the team and see how they got on and kind of be on the outside of it because it, again it just allows me to do what I need to get where I need to be without having that added pressure um, 
so yeah, I actually quite enjoyed it. It was quite refreshing not being on that team, but at the same time, it was really exciting actually being able to support and, and cheer uh, cheer teammates on. Has it did it sort of reignite your your desire, if you like, to be back part of it? Yeah, it, it did. It, it, you know, it was actually quite nice seeing like you know what I've got one year left to try and see if I can get back onto the team again, and watching you know how successful the team was and. Uh, all the drama I guess that kind of went with it um it kind of yeah it just instilled something that I felt you know what I've got nothing to lose uh I'm just going to give it everything that I've got this year and it's either going to go one way or the other I'm either going to make the team or I'm not and if I make the team you know it's a bit of history I get to be back a part of the team again if not I feel satisfied knowing that you know what I've given it everything that I've got and I've tried uh, and I kind of feel happy knowing that you know my career's been long enough. <laughs> um, I've kind of got uh, a lot out from it, which has been pretty cool. So have you have you decided that this this will be your last year of, of swimming, cause sort of come what may? Um, yeah, pro- well, probably. Uh, I mean, I kind of feel like it's definite. I mean, uh, if I get asked to do any of the ISL meets, I might maybe go and do that. I'm just kind of taking it blocks at a time but it's definitely my last olympic cycle <laughs> so so obviously you know if you were if you were successful in your in your aim and you made the team for tokyo that would obviously be your fourth olympics um yeah. does that excite you does that weigh on you i mean how do you feel about that not not many people go to one olympics let alone four yeah. it's just a little bit greedy isn't it um, <laughs> <laughs> um it, it's quite exciting i guess i kind of feel a lot more satisfied with where things are now compared to when I finished in Rio because I guess Rio was kind of a it Rio was an interesting one and having started with my first games back in Beijing in 2008 each one I feel like I've learned a heck of a lot and um, there's, they've just had so many different experiences and each experience has made me a different type of athlete and you know I kind of need to remind myself that the Olympics as special and spectacular as it is it is just another swimming competition. So I kind of feel a little less starry-eyed with it in a sense that I see the Olympics for what it is. You know, it's a competition where the best in the world get to go and compete. And obviously it's huge because you've got the media, you've got the spectators, you've got the hype and the build-up. But at the end of the day, you're still behind the block in your own lane, racing against people that you're aware of, that you uh, may have come up before uh, at certain competitions. Um and it is, you've raced that race hundreds and hundreds of times. So, you know, you're just kind of doing the exact same thing, but with just maybe a couple more people watching. So um, whilst the Olympics still holds a special uh, place in my heart, um, for me, I feel kind of I'm looking at it in sort of a fresh pair of eyes, if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. I love that description of the Olympics as doing the same you always do, just with more people watching. I think that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> a couple more people watching. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think if more people could could consider their swimming in that way, then psychology would be a lot easier, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you talked about Beijing there, and you mentioned earlier in in the context of the meet over in Bangor about morning finals. Obviously, yeah. Beijing was morning finals as well. Uh, you're the, probably the, well, you are the last person who swam in Beijing who's still you know trying to qualify for Tokyo from the British team. Um, what did you learn from from going through that experience of having the heats in the evening finals in the morning in, in 2008 and has it affected anything that, in your preparation this time around um again it kind of goes back to that mindset uh, the one thing that Beijing taught me about was to not get overstressed about the change 
Um, it's the same across the board for every single athlete. So every athlete's going to have to do go through it. Um, Rio was slightly different. Uh, you know, obviously not quite the extreme of heats in the evening, finals in the morning, but it was racing at uh, the finals. You know, pretty late into the night, some early in the morning. So for me, it taught me uh, racing in Beijing was you you basically have to be the best you can be prepared without getting too distracted about the fact that it's evening heats like you still have to treat it as a heat whether it's in the morning afternoon late at night you know um silly o'clock in the morning it doesn't matter what time of the day it is you need to make sure your body is awake and ready to go uh, and then once you've done that you rest you recover and then you repeat the same process again for the finals regardless of again whether it's in the morning the evening the afternoon so each time you approach your race doesn't matter what time of day it is, doesn't matter whether it's daylight or nighttime, you know that your body is awake and ready to go. Um, so, you know, racing in Bangor, it was actually quite nice to, uh, to kind of go back to those little routines. Uh, you know, for me, it was making sure in the uh, mornings I got up a lot earlier than what I would normally do for heats just to make sure that my body was awake. You know, I would go out for a walk, try and have a cold shower just to try and trick my body into thinking it had been up a lot longer than the you know um than it had been um so yeah th those little bits uh from my experiences uh, have taught me quite a fair bit <laughs> and you mentioned earlier the isl because you, know, you swam in the the first season before christmas and that you you hope and perhaps you might uh, do it again this year how was that experience for you that was great actually um it was really good fun uh being part of a, a team where you you know people from being at competitions, but actually have them as your teammates. It was completely alien. Uh, so I think there was myself and two Australian guys who were pretty much the only English-speaking members on our team. Uh, I was part of the Aqua Centurion team, which was the Italian team. So um, we had to keep reminding them to speak in English a couple of times because they would have meetings in Italian and we'd be sat there going, we've no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> Um, but it was fab. It was really nice to kind of collectively bring everyone together. So you're cheering for teammates, you know, who might be German, who are Italian, who are Australian um, and just all coming together. And it really highlighted that, it, you know, you don't have to be from the same country to support your team. It really highlighted what team meant, um, you know, and it was just a collective of people from all over the world coming together, representing and having that one goal of we're trying to earn points for our team. And, um, yeah, it was great. You know, made some really good friends, um, you know, getting to travel a little bit as well and uh, training with different people that I would probably never normally train with. Uh, it was a great experience. And, you know, standing up and racing the way that they set it up, the lights, the crowd, the noise, the media hype as well. Um, it just made racing so much more exciting. And it didn't matter what times you went. Obviously, a lot of people posting some really, really quick times. It was all about the points. It was all about basically getting your hand on the wall first to try and get as much points as you can for your team. And that was all that mattered. So it was nice having that aspect of racing. Uh, and the time was almost secondary. Now, I know I think some people were not happy about not seeing the times. Um, I, I guess some, some people watching it quite liked having times. But I guess as an athlete, um, it, yeah, it was really fast, furious and just... Um, yeah, just trying to earn points, really. <laughs> and I, you, and it's amazing because the, you know, you talk about feeling part of a team despite 
you know, being amongst people who didn't necessarily even speak your language. And um, we were talking to James Gibson about this a couple of a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and we wondered if one of the effects of the ISL might be that people who might otherwise retire after the Olympics might delay that to compete in another season. You know, whether that's for the fact that it's a really fun competition or that it, it's the chance to earn a little bit more money than you might otherwise. Um, is, is that something that you've taken away from it you know it, it's an experience that you might delay other um your retirement for yeah it, it could be because it is an opportunity I mean I'm not on funding so for me any opportunity to try and get a bit of money uh you know goes a long way it helps pay the bills which is um which is always helpful and certainly it kind of takes it allows you to still do what you love which is getting in the pool and race and not have the pressure of meeting expectations of you know, you've got certain meets that you have to abide by, by being part of the governing bodies. And um, and it just kind of allows you to be a little bit more independent with what you want out of your sport. Um, and, and, you know, being able to go and know that you've got money, uh, you know, paid to go. And then you've got the bonus of uh, coming, I think, to the top four, get bonuses as well. Um, it, it just allows you to feel like you're able to make a living out of it uh you know you spend so long training you spend so long uh in your career uh you know swimming is probably one of the most unforgiving sports out there in that you have to be cons- consistent with your training you can't you know it's very difficult to go and have a part-time job or a full-time job and still swim and train um so i guess it just allows people to make it feel like it's you know a career that this is their job and uh it's a chance to get paid for it so I can certainly see a lot of uh, athletes probably postponing uh, retirement to just enjoy it, just to kind of make, you know, the last little bit of their career financially, I guess, more secure for themselves. Well, I have to say when uh, with the format of the ISL and lots of races very close together, uh, I immediately thought that that would be something that suited you. I mean, last weekend you swam 200 free, 200 breaststroke, 200 fly, 200 AM and 400 IM, which is pretty decent program. So, uh, maybe an event that suits a swimmer like you perhaps perhaps if i'm fast enough to be up against the uh the uh the, the rest of the world and these young guns coming through who can certainly do that but at a much quicker pace whether the 400 im still stays in that event uh we'll wait and see uh i'd like to think that it does because i think those people that can back up doing you know multiple 200 events and the 400 im kind of gives you a bit more uh, versatility for the team um but yeah, it, you can't. You don't really get much of a choice in what events you swim at the ISL. It's based on what's going to get the team the most points. Um, so you know, you might go in and with your best event being 400 IM, but they might maybe put you in on the tuner back and tuner breast because maybe they're not able to get a a swimmer with you know a strong enough backstroke and breaststroke. So it's uh, very much depends on which team that you're part of and the strength of the team as well. Well, Hannah, it's been fantastic speaking to you. Uh, we've really enjoyed hearing about your experiences and your change in mindset. So we will leave you to your uh, your pancakes if there are any left. And, uh, well, hopefully the puppy's not eating them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we'll say thanks very much and uh, wish you all the best for your preparation for trials. Awesome. Thanks for having me. You're listening to The Pool Boy Podcast. That was Hannah Miley sharing uh, some views on her swimming and her swimming over the last weekend and uh, indeed her plans for this year. Um, It was pretty impressive as a meet goes for this time of year, Bob, over in Ireland. Um, Who who stuck out for you? 
Well, Duncan Scott, as we so often say, uh, did everything right, did some incredible times for this time of the year uh, across all events and is so difficult to beat these days, isn't he? You know, any event he tries, any event he gets involved in, he does not want to be beaten. He is a true and utter racer, that boy. As you know, people will put pressure on him, even in events where he doesn't go in as ranked number one in this country, he will do his damnedest to win it. And mo- most times he does do. So, you know, it, if, if you're looking for a, a banker other than Adam Peaty for this summer, you've got to be looking at him, surely. Well, he's he was in great form uh, in Northern Ireland, uh, posting uh, a 48-8 in the 100 free. He'd gone a bit quicker than that, actually, a, a week or two before at the, the Bucks Championships, leading off the Sterling Relay in 48-5, um, and, uh, and a 147-06 in the 200 free, Katie. But one of the things that... that you know, lots of people have picked up on is the fact that he was really seemed to be focusing on swimming fast in the mornings. Now, this is something that we saw a little bit perhaps at European short course when he set some very fast heat times there and, and was perhaps not quite as quick in the evening. But um, in, our, in our chat with Hannah, we talked about the impact of morning finals. Do you think practicing in that way has been a key part of his approach? Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, the, the word that I think I, I think of when I look at how how ready Duncan is he's he's just prepared and he's just he will do anything to make sure that he is absolutely ready and nothing's going to catch him out for this year um it's such an opportunity for him he is one of the world's most on-form swimmers coming into an Olympics and I think it's you know this is probably his his best chance to medal at an Olympics it'll be a great age for him he's never been swimming better and he just seems to really really be leaving no stone unturned in terms of his preparation so um yeah I think it's I think it's really exciting seeing how ready he looks for this and he's so versatile as well I mean we saw him swim uh, 100 200 free 100 fly 200 im uh, over in northern ireland we saw him set a british record in the 400 im short course i know which, which he doesn't it's normally just... do it's not not one of his events 400 im is not really an event we normally associate him with is it well no i mean you wouldn't think no it would be number one choice for someone who can swim a i know a 47 800 free but um you know just just an incredible you know, range that he's showing and uh, and showing great form uh, and he hasn't, pe- and he hasn't peaked. This is the exciting thing, is he hasn't peaked yet. Now, if he peaks in Tokyo, uh, we, we are going to be sitting back and going, wow, because you know, he is capable of doing some quite amazing things. He showed it at the world's last summer, you know, that, that finish, um, to, to win that medal on the last day, to win the gold medal on the last day, just shows that he, he's Herculean in what he does. You know, he's, it, I, 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 I dare to make this kind of comparison, but he, he's almost becoming our Phelps. Well, it's a very, I mean, <clears throat> he may not be quite at Phelps' level yet, but no, certainly... No, he's our, yeah, he's, he's our kind of equivalent. Oh, yeah, of. but it's a, it's a similar, you know, versatility that he's showing at the moment, isn't it? You know, in the 200 free, 100 yeah. fly, 200 fly, 200 AM kind of uh, events is, is very similar to, to Phelps in, in terms of those events. Absolutely. Um Another person who caught the eye with a, with a nice swim for this time of the year was Luke Green, uh, Luke Greenbank, uh, 157.5 in the 200 back, which is top three in the world so far uh, in this early year rankings. Uh, really nice to see him do that, Bob. Uh, that world medal last summer has given him so much confidence. Uh, if you take that race out, you know, he was a yeah, somebody who might potentially make a final, somebody who might knock on the door. But I, I believe that race in Guangzhou has changed him 
absolutely changed him as a racer now, changed him as a competitor. I think he now has the belief. I think Mel's now got their training regime right. They've got everything, all the all the the, the corners that maybe they were cutting, which weren't quite working. She's now got a very streamlined Luke Greenbank, who who, who is going to be doing hopefully really good times in the in the hundred as well. So because we need him desperately for that medley relay. But I, th- I think you're seeing a completely different athlete now. I think you're seeing a really composed Luke Greenbank who who believes and is now starting to show at senior level the kind of stuff he was doing at junior level well yes yeah, great to see him <coughs> excuse me moving it on and as you say we hope that he can keep his hundred going in the same direction with the, the medley relay in mind um casey we talk about uh, adam Peaty a lot uh, unsurprisingly because uh, he he is always doing amazing things but he was um by his standards solid by everyone else's standards very fast uh, in the 100 breaststroke 58.78 again faster than his heat the night before so uh, an encouraging early season hit out for him yeah you know he looked good as always and it's it's he doesn't really have an off day um, in the way that other people do you know his off day is probably still the fastest time in the world Um, also interesting to see him do the 200 breaststroke which is um, uh, the lesser spotted Adam Peaty um, which, you know, it was, it's probably not going to make too many people at the top of the world rankings in that event scared, but um, an interesting, interesting to see him doing something different. Well, he posted a 2.14 point something. I think the messages that, that Mel was giving out to uh, to Liz Burns, who was there for, um, for Swimming World, were that he wasn't going to swim that later this year. Uh, probably the right decision, Bob. Yeah, I think so. It's not his event. He hasn't been his event for a long time, though. I'd love to see him have a good crack at it at some point. Um, obviously, our hopes mainly rest with James Wilby, I think, with that. Um, it was a very rare occasion that we saw James in recent times drop below the standards we expect in Guangzhou. He'll definitely want to put that behind him. I know that Dave Hemmings definitely wants to uh, put that, you know, uh, assign that to the uh, the trash can and say right we'll forget that ever happened and we'll move on because that was that was one uh, one blip one little aberration on the will be upward curve and I think uh, hopefully we'll see will be back to uh, his very best again this year because I think I think he's he's a he's a, he's a true and honest potential medalist in that event in, in the Olympics. Well, he was uh, again posting some decent early season times fifty nine nine in the hundred breaststroke two eleven to win the two hundred breaststroke. Uh, and these are very early season times from all these swimmers, Katie, but is is it important that they do set down a marker you know, for their own confidence, if nothing else, that, that this year is going to be a good one and, and post a good time early in the year? I think it's it's only important for them because it doesn't really matter what, what anybody thinks and people will be going into all these kind of meets at a very different um, stage of, of preparation. There are some coaches where, you know, some some squads where people can swim fast all year round and I'd say that that Adam tends to do that you know for example Mel's Mel's team tend not to have absolute shockers um but but there's still some fine tuning to be done um certainly I think you know it's it's quite a difficult time of year January February so if you can do something to to boost your spirits a little bit in terms of how you're getting on and just just put down a marker it's helpful but it's certainly not, you know, if for those who didn't have such a successful weekend, I don't think we need to be writing them off right now. Can I throw that hoary old chestnut into the mix here about whether our trials are a bit early or our, our championships are a bit early uh, vis-a-vis in the Olympic year? I think from my perspective, there's no point in changing something that has worked pretty well for the last few years. 
Um, Could it work I, better if we had it in June, though? No, I don't think we're used to it. I, and I don't. I think we've tried it before, and I don't think it's worked for us. I think if it was a, if it was something that maybe we started at the beginning of an Olympic cycle, if we'd started at the beginning of the four years, then maybe it's something that overall could pay off. Um, I mean, personally, I don't really because I think the double taper quite close together is quite a dodgy, um, a dodgy tactic, particularly when we're a country that you know hasn't typically done that. Um, I don't think it works badly at all for us. You tend to see a few of the US swimmers um, have, a, have a shocker at the main meet after an amazing trials meet. For the majority of them, it works really well. But I just don't think we're practised in that. I don't think there's a right and a wrong. I think it's just what you're used to training for. Should we have switched it around for the championships? In you mean, you mean morning finals, you mean? Mm, mm. Uh, I, I think we probably should have done, yeah. Why, and why didn't we? Uh, I'm afraid I didn't make that decision, Bob. No, but, but but there must be a rationale, and it's obviously your former coach who had made that decision. Uh, whereas in 2008 it was switched round. Uh, 2020 it's not. To be honest, the only reason that I can think of is is um, spectator numbers, um, and I don't think that's a good enough reason. Do, do they think along those lines? I think British swimming is run far more like a business than it ever has been. Um, Are those so all athlete driven? I don't think it's athlete driven. I think, you know, I think I think there's a real I think there's a real I, d- I don't mean it's not athlete driven at all, but I think there's definitely a, a business aspect to it. Um, that said, I would have thought knowing I mean, I obviously haven't spoken to Bill about this, but um, if it was all his choice, I would have thought that he would have um, finals in the morning um, at, at whatever we're calling them, British champs, um, Olympic trials, because that's what they are. Um, we would have finals in the morning. Uh, that would be what what I would have expected him to push for. Um, and we did it right in 2008, didn't we? When we when we when we transferred. All right, Becky obviously had her two goals. Uh, Joe got her medal. David Davis did all right for for quite a few events. We did it. We got loads of finalists that year, as I recall. Yeah, and I think um, I, to be honest, I I don't think there's much point in choosing a team um, who who haven't proven that they can swim fast in heats and fast in finals when they're that way round because it is I think it is quite an adjustment it is quite hard to get yourself up and swim fast in the morning and and is there much point choosing a team based on a different schedule to the main event um you might argue that there's not um my preference would have been to see see the finals being in the morning at trials I did wonder on this on this debate whether there was some appreciation within within British swimming that they have set once again as we as we're used to now very fast qualifying times and perhaps this was their way of of giving uh something you know throwing the swimmers a bone if you like going well we've set these very fast times but we're not also then going to make you try and do them at, at 10 o'clock in the morning um no we're going to let you swim the, the normal way around uh, that you're used to um and give you the best chance that that we can to help you get to those times but Maybe that's me being a bit too charitable on their behalf. I don't know. And I think um, that works for the, you know, typically at Olympic trials, you get one or two who have a breakthrough swim and come out of the woodwork and do something amazing and make the team. And I think that logic works for those people. And that's great. Um, I think in terms of everyone else, they will pick the team. They will find a way to pick the team that they want to pick the um, the selection policy is flexible enough that they can do that. Um, 
so I just I just don't know if that would be the reason. It's very difficult to know. How, how did you find it? Anyway. How did you find it? You had to do it. How did you find it? Um, quite strange, um, but strange in the same strange boat that everybody else was in. Um, and and you do you know in advance you know that that's what you're training for and you prepare you prepare to swim fast in the morning you do your fast sets in the morning rather than the evening when you're training and it's just something that you have to get used to I think it's really really annoying for the swimmers for for athletes to have to change the way that they operate for television um, but that is the way that it is and that's what you have to prepare for um, so yeah it's it's strange but um, you know you get you get on with it. Well, everyone will <clears throat> get on with it, and those who qualify will have to to find their way around uh, swimming fast in the morning in those finals. And uh, hopefully, those who make the grade in in trials will work that out for themselves. Obviously, we've said that that some swimmers and coaches, and I'm sure many, in fact, are, are already working on that uh, as we speak. Uh, I think time to uh, to draw a line under this podcast um, and and leave that that debate. I'm sure we will return to it many times between now and April when the championships take place and indeed we will see how it pans out at the championships themselves um, it's been it's been great uh, chatting with you Bob Casey so thank you very much thanks, thanks um, very much. good to be back and uh, we should say thank you to Hannah Miley for joining us earlier as well uh, we'll be back with another podcast uh, probably late March, I would think, looking uh, forward to those championships that will select the British Olympic team. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you can get in contact uh, if you've got any questions or you want to, to comment on anything we've said on this podcast. I'm on Twitter at poolboy or Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash poolboyuk or you can go to poolboy.co.uk uh, forward slash contact to send an email. Uh, in the meantime, until we're back with you again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Pool Boy Podcast. For more episodes, visit www.poolboy.co.uk slash podcast.